cornucopia, not only is it, a, is it an ornament, it's a, you know, we see them, they're a, it's a basket shaped like a ram's horn, but not only is it an ornament, it has definitions. The definition of it is an abundant supply of good things of a specified kind. Everybody say an abundant supply. And then the next definition is more than enough. Now, in Psalm 92.10, when he said, my horn shall be exalted like that of a wild ox, and I shall be anointed with fresh oil. The reason that's our anchor scripture is because that was the confession of the psalmist. He was talking about what he believed and what he had seen God do in his life. And confession concerning what's going on in your life is so vitally important. You've got the news media telling you what's going to happen in your life, in your economy, in your job market, in your real estate market, in your health, in your well-being. Now they're telling you what to do or what not to do for Thanksgiving. You're getting nonstop reports every day, all day, telling you and prognosticating about what's going to happen in your life. And sometimes it seems like everybody's talking to you about your life except you. It's so important to say something to yourself about what you believe God is able to do. So the psalmist got sick of hearing bad news. David was hearing bad news every day. His kingdom's falling apart. Everybody's going crazy. His own son's against him. And he sits back from the table and says, my horn shall be exalted like that of a wild ox. And I shall be anointed with fresh oil. This is a biblical principle. Joel chapter 3 verse 10 says, let the weak say, I am strong. In other words, sometimes you just got to say it. He said, uh, he said, he was talking to an army and he said, uh, they were, they were facing uh, a very well-armed opposition that were coming against them. And so God speaks through the prophet Joel and he said, go ahead and beat your plowshares into swords they, were, they didn't have the weapons they needed. And God said, well, take what you do have and turn it into swords. And uh, turn your pruning hooks into spears. And then finally, before you go on the battlefield, don't go out there defeated and downcast and with a depressed disposition about you. When you go out on the battlefield, let the weak say, I am strong. And it's important to know you're not announcing to your enemy that you're strong. You're announcing to yourself that you're strong because what you say over and over again about yourself matters. It matters to your subconscious. It matters to your thought life. It affects you every single day mentally, the words you say about yourself. So there's a point I want to give you, and it's a powerful one. If you want good things to happen, you got to start saying it. Some of you have been talking real down in the mouth lately. You've been frustrated. You've been exasperated, and you've been using that as an excuse to talk down. God said no. People of faith always have the promises of God and the prophecies of Scripture in their mouth, and they're ready to say it. Push somebody and say, say it. So we're talking about my horn of oil or my horn, my container of supply. Everybody say, my container. He said, my container is as strong as a wild ox. My container, I want you to say it, my container is as strong as a wild ox. Now I'm going to get on some of your nerves today because I'm going to make you say it till you feel it. My container is as strong as a wild ox. 
Now I want you to just think about what you're saying as you say it. You got a lot of containers in your life. Your, your body's a container. It contains your spirit and your soul. And I'm saying that about your body. I'm saying that about my body. It doesn't matter if you've been sick. It doesn't matter if you've been feeling low energy. It doesn't matter if you've been depressed. As of this morning, my container is as strong as a wild ox. Won't you just call it out? My body... Yeah, say it like a church. My body is as strong as a wild ox. I feel stronger right now than when I walked in here. My body is as strong. What's some other containers? Your bank account. That's a container. I don't care what the balance looks like right now. By faith, my bank account is as strong as a wild ox. Here's a good one. My credit report. Oh, look at all the faith run out of the room when I said credit report. Oh, don't act like God can't do it. My credit report. I'm talking to somebody online right now. My credit report is as strong as a wild ox. I mean, you may, you may be in the negative 190s right now, but 700's coming. My, my credit report is as strong as a wild ox. My horn, my container, strong as a wild ox. And I am anointed. Ooh. I am anointed with, everybody say it, fresh oil. Right. Now, Christians should declare these things by faith because one of the main characteristics of God in the Old Testament, one of the ways he introduced himself is as Jehovah Jireh. Means God is my provider and my provision. Doesn't mean God is a provider. What good does it do me if he is a provider? No, God is my provider and my provision. Now, let's get into the text that we read. Let's, uh, let's start with, what verse do we want to start with? Yeah, let's start with verse 5 and 6. First uh, Kings 17, 5 and 6. Elijah, after he made that prophecy, it's not going to rain. The people of God had turned their back on God. They were worshiping false gods. And one of the false gods they worshiped was Baal. They considered Baal to be the rain god. And they said, if we pray to Baal, he'll give us more rain. If we have more rain, we can grow more crops, grow more crops, have a more robust economy. So God said, if you want to pray to a false god for rain, I'm going to show you who controls rain. And he told Elijah to go and prophesy that there won't be rain for three years until the prophet spoke another word to release the rain. As a result, the king had put a death threat out on the prophet's head. He was living with a death warrant, a, a threat of death over his life. And so verse 5 and 6, God said, uh, you need to get out of here. And, and he went and did according to the word of the Lord and went and stayed by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, bread and eat. In our bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. Point number one, even when an entire nation is in distress, God always has a brook of supply. Oh, yeah. 
This one prophetic word had caused the rain to stop and therefore an economy to crash. It caused a drought. People were losing their life savings. All the streams and rivers and, and lakes were drying up. Everything was dying because the drought caused a famine. The lack of water caused a lack of food resources and everything is depressed in the nation. And yet God knows in the middle of a nation that has no water, God knows where there's a secret brook nobody else knows about. And he sends the prophet to live by the brook so that he can be sustained. I am telling you, it does not matter how bad it gets in our nation economically. It does not matter about food shortages. It does not matter what comes. God always knows how to send you to a secret brook. And so Elijah's staying by the brook and God is providing for him there. And then God is using, this is funny to me, God's using ravens to drop bread and meat in the morning for him and in the evening for him. I don't know if you know anything about ravens. They're filthy birds. Yeah. And their team, the, the, the Baltimore Ravens, they're filthy too. <laughs> So anyway, so anyway, ra ravens are, are so selfish. They're known when they're hungry to turn on their young and eat their own young. You know, these, these aren't sharing kind, sweet birds. And yet God is using ravens to drop bread and meat for Elijah. You know, there's no bread and no meat in Israel. So they're flying to literally another country to pick up bread and meat and then just bringing the supply to Elijah where he's at by the brook. God can use anything he wants to bless you. God can bless you with strange provision from strange people. God can make people that don't even like you start having favor on you and just dropping blessings on you that they don't even want to drop. I don't know if there's anybody in here that's ever been blessed by somebody that you know didn't like you. Don't get too happy with them. Understand, it came through them, but it was from Almighty God. God knows how to drop something on you. And um, in verse number seven, it says, and it happened after a while. I want you to hear me close because this is for somebody that's in the room. And it happened after a while. So this brook thing and this ravens and bread and meat thing happened for a while. He was just living there, camping out, chilling by the side of the brook. That's what he was doing. That's how he was living. But it happened after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Point number two, when a brook dries up in your life, it's a sign your level of provision is about to increase, not decrease. I want to say that again. When a brook dries up in your life, it means things are about to get better. It means things are about to go to a higher level, not a lower level. I want you to think about this. I read you the whole text so you kind of know how the whole story goes. If you think about the story from a snapshot view, bird's eye perspective, Elijah's living outside in the woods by a brook. He's eating cold meat and cold bread that are falling out of a raven's beak, not the cleanest source to eat from. And he's drinking water by the brook, sharing it with whatever animals are there. And when the brook dried up, 
Elijah transitions. He's, he's not eating cold bread and meat from a raven's beak. Now he's eating home-cooked meals in the widow's house. He's not sleeping outside, out in the elements anymore. Now he's staying in the widow's house. Okay, He's not drinking from a brook. Now he's drinking from a well where the widow lives. When the brook dried up, it was not a sign that things were decreasing for him. It was a sign that God had increase if Elijah would have the faith to move. And I want to talk to people who have recently had a brook dry up on you. Maybe you lost your job or you lost an investment or you lost something that you were planning or you've lost out on a promotion you thought you were getting and the brook dried up. God sent me in here prophetically to announce to you the brook drying up is not a sign of decrease. It's a a sign that more is waiting for you if you have the faith to move. A new level of provision is waiting on you if you have the faith to move. And it's hard to move. That's why God dries up brooks. Who would ever leave a brook while it's flowing? So God is faithful enough to allow some brooks in your life to dry up because he knows you would never have the faith to leave it if it was still flowing. So he'll love you enough to dry it up over here so you'll be forced to move over here where the level of provision is better. I'm telling you, levels of provision in this house are about to go up. Do not believe the lie of the enemy telling you that your brook dried up because you've been living above your means and things are about to reduce in your life and you got to cut everything down and you got to start starving because things are just going to be real hard for the next year. The devil is a liar. When the brook dries up for the people of God, it means God has better provision in another place. Somebody say yes. Then verse eight, the word of the Lord came to him saying, arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed, a widow was there gathering sticks. Now, point number three, when death is all around you, live anyway. And I'm going to give you time to write that or take a picture of that or, or do whatever you need to do with that. When death is all around you, live anyway. Listen to this. Listen to this. How was Elijah supposed to know what widow was the widow that God had assigned to take care of him? God didn't give him a name or an address. And, and here's the thing. There was a lot of widows in Zarephath. There was a lot of people dying in Zarephath. How was he to recognize which one was the one? And I want to share this with you. He recognized her by a mutual characteristic they shared. They were both living under the threat of death. They were both watching their resources slowly waste away and yet living in the face of it. 
So look at the prophet. He's living by a brook. And the brook every day is slowly drying up. The widow, she's living in the house with her son. And every day that she goes to the flour uh, container and to the oil container, it's slowly drying up. Both of their resources are declining. Death is whispering to them every day, I'm coming for you and I'm coming for you soon. And yet both of them had the faith, tenacity, and courage to get up every day and live in the face of it. How did Elijah recognize that this woman was the woman? It's because that day when she woke up and got out of bed, she knew this is the day that we're down to our last meal. She had been in a season and a cycle of losses. First, she lost her husband. Then she lost her money. Now she's slowly been losing her food day by day. And this is the day that it's going to be the last one. But instead of falling into depression and saying, woe is me, she gets up out of bed on what she thinks is the last day. And she goes to the gate of the city and starts gathering sticks for firewood, gathering something to go home and start a fire and make the meal anyway. There's a lot of people that quit and check out when they start running low in life. There's a lot of people that quit and check out when things get very hard and difficult. They sink all the way down into misery and depression and refuse to keep doing the laborious little task like gathering sticks for firewood so you can cook something. But this woman got up, went to the gate of the city and said, I still got enough for one more meal, so I still got a reason to work. I still got a reason to put one foot in front of the other. I still got a reason to make a fire. I still got a reason to cook something. And, and what I love about it is both Elijah and the woman know that there is a distinct difference in running low and running out. See, you got to know the difference. You can't act like you would act when you were out, when you're simply low. But a lot of people get low and act like just because they're low that all of a the sudden they are out. They start pouting on God like they're out. They start quitting on their family like they're out. They, they stop the resistance training that is living life every day. And there's some people that are running low in this house this morning. Somewhere in your life, you're running low. And running low don't feel good. You may be running low on love in your marriage. And the fact that you're running low has, has made you start to have thoughts of quitting on the relationship. Because a lot of people quit when they get low. You've mistaken running low for running a lot of people running low in their finances. And you know, your attitude changes when, when you're running low financially. The, the, the way food tastes changes when you're running low financially and you are up under the grip of financial pressure and stress. But running low is not running out. And so to the people who are running low, if you will have the faith to keep living, 
you, you didn't hear me. If you will have the faith to keep living. Okay. I didn't say existing. I didn't say, you know, you're still alive and your, your bodily functions are still alive, but you've totally checked out mentally. I didn't say that. I said, if you will keep living, you will live your way into a breakthrough. You will live your way into a better season. You will live your way into a better marriage. I just don't know what I'm going to do in my marriage. It's like the love isn't there anymore. Stay until it comes back. Oh, y'all love that one. Y'all love that one. I just got on somebody's pinky toe real bad right there. So I'm going to say it again. Stay until it comes back. My finances is just on such a low place. Keep living until it comes back. Put a smile on your face. Act like you still believe in God. Remember, you do still have something to be thankful for. And if you got something to be thankful for, you got a reason to live. The woman got up, got out of bed, went and started gathering sticks because she was down to her last meal. But at least she had one more meal. Give God praise in this house. Give God praise in this house. Now, I want, I want to submit an eisegetical preaching point to you. Eisegetical is different than exegetical. Exegetical preaching, you just go down line by line, each verse, each verse, each verse, and you expound on what the verses mean. Eisegetical is when the preacher looks at the information, looks at the whole context of Scripture, and inserts an opinion on what might be happening. Eisegetical preaching is not necessarily strict and doctrinal thinking. You don't want to build a doctrinal faith base or faith base off of eisegetical preaching because it's implied information, it's possible information. But sometimes it can help give you a view into scripture and the dynamics that are happening. I want to offer you an eisegetical point about this text. I don't think that this woman was necessarily the woman God had in mind. I think how she responded to Elijah and I think what was going on inside her that she was down to her last meal, but she still had the gumption and courage to get up, get out of bed and go gather sticks. I think that's what made her qualify for someone else's blessing that was available. I personally believe that there was a wealthy widow woman that had a wealthy husband and maybe her husband had just died and she had a big old mansion and she had plenty of food and she had a couple of cows and hogs in the refrigerator ready to be butchered and she was just waiting on the man of God to show up at her house and he was going to be living high on the hog. But this little scrapper gathering sticks at the gate of the city stumbled into and qualified for a blessing that possibly God had in mind for somebody else because she had the faith to say it may be my last day but I'm going to wring every drop out of this day. I am going to live until I die and I'm so frustrated with our country and I'm so frustrated with our churches because it's like we've laid down and lost our right to live our right to celebrate our right to have joy our right to have prosperity I'm going to live until I die you're going to die of something 
I said you're going to die of something. You might as well live until you die. I ain't staying. I ain't staying in my house all day long, hiding behind a mask, afraid to touch people, afraid to go be with people. I'll wear a mask in public where I have to, and, and if it makes you comfortable to do it in here, I ain't got no problem with you, but I refuse to live my life in hiding. I refuse to live my life in fear. I refuse to live my life intimidated. I refuse to live my life in the earth like there's not a God in heaven. I'm going to say that again. That was good. I said, I refuse to live my life on earth like there is not a God in heaven. You know why you may be so depressed? You may be alive, but you stopped living in March. All that news you're watching, all that junk you're feasting on, I mean, you're still alive, but you ain't lived in months. And I think what got the prophet's attention is her living. Up under a threat of death, living anyway. Resources are pitiful, living anyway. Lost her husband, living anyway. You're going to have to bury some people sometimes. You're going to have to cry sometimes. You're going to have to feel sick to your stomach for weeks sometimes. But after all that, you got to get up and make the decision to live. <laughs> Fella called me and said, I'm so depressed. My daughter, she ain't coming in for Thanksgiving because she doesn't think we ought to be gathering. He said, what should I do? I said, get the biggest turkey you can find and then go get another one. Smoke one of them and then fry the other. Make as many vegetables as you possibly can. Get way too many pumpkin pies. Sit around your table, fold your hands and say, God, I want to thank you for everything you've done for this family. I want to thank you for your blessings over our life. And today, while I'm eating and feasting, I just want to honor how good you've been to me. I said, eat anyway. You ain't got to come to my house for me to enjoy some food. And you certainly ain't got to come to my house for me to be thankful to my God for everything he's given me. If you want to be crazy and lonely, be crazy and lonely. But as for me and my house, I will bless the Lord at all times. Y'all don't want to hear no preaching. Y'all don't want to hear no preaching. Where the praisers at in the house? I said, where are the praisers in the house? live anyway so her her living anyway got the prophet's attention and uh, and so you know he, he looks at her and uh, he calls out to her in verse 11 and he said uh, hey mama uh, you bring me a cup of water 
uh, that I can have that I can have something to drink. And as she was going to get it, I mean, this amazing woman. I don't know. I think most of us are probably too blessed to even know what this is like and dial into it mentally. So, and you don't have to raise your hand if this has been you at one time, but I don't know if you've ever woken up in the house before and you knew you only had one meal for the whole day and you didn't know what you were going to eat after that. I don't know if you've ever felt what it felt feels like to be down to nothing. Okay. And it's not only her. She's got to feed her son. Okay. So she's got that on her. She got all that on her. And then enough strength to go out and gather sticks to make fire. Okay. And cook what she can. She's doing what she can as long as she can. And that's all you can do. But then, while she's in this emotional headspace of, I just don't know what we're going to do after this. I just don't know how many days or weeks we can live with no food in our bellies. And, and she's in that headspace gathering sticks. And some joker comes to the gate of the city and says, hey, mama. <laughs> Ladies, you ever been approached by a strange man? Ain't none of y'all ever been approached by a strange man? From what I hear, it gets on y'all's nerves. Okay? You know, unless the man has certain amazing qualities, but, 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 but for the most part, it gets on your nerves, you know? And, uh, and, and she's gathering sticks, doing her thing. He comes up. Hey, uh, won't you run and get me a cup of water? <laughs> I, 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 I don't know how y'all would respond. I, I don't think most of you would respond the way this woman did. She looks him up and down. Says some choice words under her breath. Turns around and goes to get him a cup of water. And while she's going to get him some water... By the way, mama, <laughs> won't you, won't you bring me a cake too? <laughs> I'm hungry, you know, the gall of this man. Man ought to have his head slapped off his shoulder blades. And um, a couple of things here you have to notice in the text. Elijah, if you read about him in the text, and I'm not being disrespectful, the scripture bears this out. Many famous theologians and commentaries have bore this out. Um, Elijah was a little bit of a jerk. Y'all didn't like that? I know. I mean, oftentimes, in fact, all the time, God uses people in spite of their personality. 
And we get it twisted and call them fake and call them hypocrites because we get close enough and see something about their personality that doesn't necessarily jive with what we think a preacher or a prophet or something ought to be. But uh, God never asked your opinion on who he would use. He just puts his gifts and callings on who he's going to use, and he just uses them. But that being said, Elijah was a bit of a jerk. But there, there's a turn in the text because now there's an issue because he's hungry. Okay. And Elijah is more than a man. He is a man. But he represents the ministry of the word of the Lord. He's the only living national prophet at the time. There were other prophets, but they, he was a national prophet. He was the prophetic word to the nation that God had called and that God had established. He was the ministry. And he's hungry. Point number four. When the ministry has a need, the individual has an opportunity. That's diamond level right there. That's just so good. When the ministry has a need, the individual has an opportunity. Whenever you feed the ministry, you sign a partnership agreement with God. God basically says to people, if you will take the responsibility for feeding the ministry, then I will take the responsibility for feeding you. God, why don't you just feed your own ministry? If you're able to do it, why don't you just do it? Because of free will. God has given to us free will. And one of, it's both a blessing and a curse. Okay. One of the, the benefits and drawbacks of free will is you have to choose what you'll do with what God sent you. Now this starts in the Garden of Eden. Okay. All the trees you want, eat all of them except one. One of them's mine. Okay. God, why don't you just take out the tree that's yours and not give me the option? Free will. Because you have to choose what you'll do with what God sent you. And the ministry operating in the earth, the ministry isn't for God. The ministry is for you. You have to make the decision what you'll do with what God sent for you. So why doesn't God feed the ministry? Because he's waiting on you to make a decision. What will you do with what God sent you? Is that too heavy for a Sunday morning? Okay. Is that too heavy? So, so he's giving her, Elijah is, okay. He's giving her the opportunity to actually, by feeding him, make a partnership agreement with God. Now, 
at first she's offended. And I'm sure if they had news media back in those days, the reporters would have run up on Elijah, put a camera right in his face uh, on the little headline, you know, charlatan preacher asked poor widow for her last meal, you know. All those preachers always tricking poor people out of their money, just, you know. And I mean, that's, that's what it is, you know. Uh, I personally w- probably wouldn't have had the faith to ask the woman for that. Probably none of you would either. Probably none of you, if you had been eating, you know, bread and meat from ravens and chilling by a brook, you know, for months, and then you come up, you see people that are absolutely starving. You probably wouldn't say, hey, give me your last. But, but the distinction is, Elijah's not just a man. He's the ministry. And whenever you feed the ministry, now all that you have has been brought up underneath the umbrella of the supernatural provision of God. So he says, uh, I'm hungry. Give me something to eat. Verse 12. So she said, and I imagine she said it with a neck popping attitude. Y'all laughing like you don't know how you get. I learned about neck popping from y'all. So she said, as the Lord your God lives, I do not have. Watch that. I do not have bread. Only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar and see you know I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die notice something about this text God will never ask you for what you don't have never ask you for what you don't have Rather, he will challenge you on occasion to give the ministry a portion of what you do have. Okay. So look at what Elijah said. Elijah said to her, do not fear. No problem. Go and do as you have said. But make me a small cake from it first. This is getting worse and worse, you know. Give me some bread. I don't have any bread to give you. I just got a handful of flour and a little bit of oil, and I'm just going to cook that little bit up. And for me and my son, we're going to eat it, and then we don't have any more food, so we're going to die. No, no problem. Go ahead and do what you have said. Make that little cake for you and your son. It's your last meal. But then cut out of it a small cake for me and do it first. Good. This man has lost his mind. Now, the prophet's challenge is powerful. Listen, because he's forcing her to move her focus from what she doesn't have to what she has. Make me a cake. I, I, don't, I don't have a cake. All I got is a little flour and a, and a little oil, and I'm going to make it and we're going to die. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm talking about, that little bit that you do have. I'm not asking you for what you don't have. I'm asking you. For some of what you do have, now the whole focus is shifted, right? How'd she start? I don't have any bread. All I have is a little. When she says little, the focus is what's not there. 
okay? And I just got a handful of flour. Just, just what's not there. He takes her focus off of what's not there and puts it on. Yeah, but, but that thing you do have, give that to me. And, and then, let me give you this point. I need to hurry, but I can't let this go unless I give you. Thank you, Dale. I might. Number five. This is so good. This is worth you coming to church. Number five. Focusing on what you don't have multiplies fear. You can't get anything from God if you go in fear. But focusing on what you do have multiplies faith, right? So all of a sudden, he's taking this hopeless woman who is sure she's going to die and eat her last meal. He's taking this hopeless woman and he's taking her focus off of what she doesn't have and he's placed it directly on what she has left because her miracle is coming and it's not coming through anything she lost. Her miracle is going to flow through the little pitiful amount that she has left. And so are yours. In a year where many have seen losses, as a Christian, you have to stand back and know God doesn't need anything you lost to bless you. God will bless you right where you're standing with what you have got left. Now, faith comes by hearing and hearing comes by the word of God. This is what the ministry is supposed to do. It's supposed to preach God's word, what God said, in order that your faith may grow. So God is faithful and kind enough to give her the benefits package, the preview of it, before she makes the cake. Elijah said, go in there and make me a cake first. And if you do what I'm telling you to do, here's the word. Thus says the word of the Lord that that flower, it's not going to run dry in that container. Oh, that container. Oh, there's a container in the story. There's a container in the story that's about to be exalted. Yeah. And, 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 and the oil in the jar, there's another container. It's about to be exalted. The, the flower's not going to fail. And the oil's not going to fail if you'll feed the ministry first by faith. She goes in and she did according to the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah number six. Look at this. Number six. Maybe I didn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, two, look. Look, 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 two containers. God turned two containers that were almost empty into cornucopias of flour and oil. What's cornucopia mean? An abundant supply of good things of a specified kind. So that cornucopia anointing hit the flower, the cornucopia anointing hit the oil, and the commentary said 
They ate out of it for a year without it running out. Look at, look at what the text says. The text says, I like this. It said, verse 16. No, verse 15. She went away and did according to the word of Elijah, and she and he and her household ate for many days. The decision she made to give into the ministry released a many days miracle in her life. One seed, many days harvest. Okay. One act of God, I'll, I'll feed your ministry. I'll feed your ministry. And it just begin to flow. I guess the heart. I was really praying about this a few weeks ago. Because I. I'm disturbed by the way you feel. I can feel the way you feel. I know what this year has been. I know the fatigue and the frustration and the difficulty that, that we've all faced. And I know it's, it's wearing on us. And I was praying about all of the pressure. And I was praying about all of the things. And I was just before the Lord. And I said, God, I don't need a, a, a word for the nation. You didn't call me to this nation. I don't need a word to go get on TV and, and tell everybody or even the nations of the world. I need a word for the people that have been assigned to this church, to this house. I need to tell them. And all I got back was the kingdom still works. That, that nothing that has broken down in our outside world has affected the mechanics of how the kingdom of God works. The kingdom still works. So, 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 so during that time of drought, of famine, of national economy, a nation was just imploding. This woman got a many days miracle because the kingdom still works. Then God took me to Genesis where he said that as long as the earth remains, the principle of seed time and harvest, Listen, I know there's a lot of drama about it, but it doesn't matter who's president. If you go take a seed and you put it in the ground and you water it, if you plant a seed, you're going to get a harvest. No matter who's in the Senate control, no matter who's in the house. If you go and plant beans and you water it and you give it some sunshine, it's going to grow. Scripture says as long as the earth remains. Okay? If foreign enemies come and attack us and, and if all kind of things erupt and if, if we have mass power outages and all kind of crazy stuff happens. You know, if you take a seed and you plant it in the ground and water it and give it some sunshine, it's going to grow. As long as the earth remains, it is a system that will continue to operate. Same thing in the kingdom of God. To people who have faced losses 
and difficulties and frustration and disappointment. Maybe your heart's broken. Maybe you had to bury somebody recently like the woman did. Maybe you are struggling to those kind of people. When you feed the ministry of the word of the Lord, God will still get involved in the life of your provisional needs. It's a time and tested principle that will work for you every time. And yes, there's skeptics. And yes, there's people that say, I don't believe that. And yes, there's people that think it's all about something or other. And that's fine if you do. It's not my job to convince you. It's my job to tell you. You can live your life based off this principle. Giving by faith into the kingdom of God will release miracles in your life that you cannot explain. God can drop stuff on you that makes you embarrassed to tell the story of it. God can put stuff on your life that, that, that makes you bashful to even tell people because he's so good and so faithful. And I want to speak to every tither in this ministry. I want to speak to every person who sows and gives offerings and sows seed into this ministry. I want you to watch your life because cornucopias of blessing are coming. It's going to hit you and it's going to sustain you many days. It's a many days blessing. If you're taking notes, one blessing, many days supply. One blessing, many days supply. One blessing, many days supply. Stand up on your feet. One more time. My container shall be exalted as strong as a wild ox I shall be anointed with fresh oil give the Lord a praise all over the room